Hello and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. And Pod Sequentialism, of course, grew out of the Pop Sequentialism exhibition and catalog of modern comic book art. It is also presented by Gallery 30 South in Pasadena, Adnohia uh, Jeweling, and La Luz de Jesus Gallery and the Wacko Soap Plant Superstore. And as usual, we are recording here at Meltdown Comics and Collectibles. And I brought back this week a couple of guests that we've had on the show before, Amelia G. and Forrest Black, who are self-publishers and also uh, affiliate site. What's the word you'd We're use? We're just publishers. We're not self-publishers. I'm sorry. That's true. Yes, that's true. I apologize, publishers. And you also run affiliate sites for um, Erotic Networks. And what we're going to talk about is the gig economy via the erotic arts. And we tapped into it a little bit in in the last show that we had you guys on. But I wanted to really kind of open this up because what I realized is while there are more jobs for people to become private contractors. In Los Angeles, of course, a lot of people are private contractors because we have actors and we have writers and we have musicians and we have artists of of all stripes, whether they're painters or sculptors or cartoonists. And models are also, of course, private contractors. And in the adult world, and it can be anything from someone who poses for a magazine or someone who engages in hardcore pornography, they too are private contractors. And the explosion of online viewing habits has brought about a new gig economy for people who might not think of themselves or would not have just a couple months before engaging in this as a career thought of themselves as professional, you know, air quotes around professional models. And so that opens up a whole new aspect to the gig economy that we've seen in the explosion of apps like Uber and Lyft. And I mean, there's a massage app. I mean, there's anything you can think of. There's an app for which allows a person to be their own boss and they can kind of work their own schedules. So before we get to that, I want to talk to you about affiliate programs, because I think some people have an idea about it, and if you're a blogger or if you have any kind of audience of your own, you always had the ability to put tags into your blog posts or even your video posts on YouTube where you can embed links now as well, link back to the products that you talk about. And so you can get a little bit of money back from a, a site like Amazon.com or maybe other sites if you have some kind of affiliate deal with them. And since it's all trackable now, you know if someone has clicked on your link and you can figure out you know, how many clicks you're responsible for so that what we used to call in, in publishing turns per issue becomes a turns per platform, per episode, per instance. And so as a company that runs and maintains hundreds, hundreds of websites, Yep. how does an affiliate program work? How does one set up an affiliate program? And how has it been so lucrative for you? Well, I think that the most important thing with an affiliate program is that it's a symbiotic relationship Mm -hmm. where it has to be beneficial for the advertiser or sponsor. um, In the the case of SpookyCash.com, we're the sponsor. Mm -hmm. And people who are promoting BarelyEvil.com or GothicSluts.com or BlueBlood.com through um, SpookyCash are the affiliates Mm -hmm. or... um, publishers and if they don't make money they'll stop promoting right 
And if we don't make money from our relationship with them, then it's not really worth putting out tools to support them. Right. So it's a very has to be good for everyone kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. And something that I used to find challenging with Blue Blood magazine in print was our circulation was crazy bigger than everything else that was remotely similar combined. Right. Only advertisers would be like, why are your ad rates so high? Now, in point of fact, our ad pages were worth astronomically more than our competitors. They were actually way underpriced. Mm -hmm. And the people who did advertise with us were like, wow, we could just advertise with you and nobody else and we'd be set. Right. Um, That's a smart advertiser who tracks their impressions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And tracks their sales. Right. And we used to do that as well when we would sort of trade ads with other zines and whatnot as we would track all of them. Um, we were like really early in, in tracking that stuff as far as the, the DIY market. Right. So we could tell where what somebody's actual sort of numbers were and which ones were effective and which ones weren't. Mm. Yeah, I'd, ma- I'd make my address would be like, you know, three caliber court department, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's my house. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be department X and so, so I would know what the source of the order was. Right. But it meant that I actually knew the return I was getting, which most zinesters didn't know. Right. And that that's an, an interesting thing. So uh, for, for a lot of businesses that are using a type of advertising that re- requires knowing, or I should say that you can only calculate the value of advertisement <clears throat> via impressions and via trackable impressions, don't necessarily make it easy on themselves. And so they get back this data and they look at it and they don't know how to read it and they don't know if it's worked or not, that you sort of are, it's advantageous to produce a specific landing page or extra um, URL specific to whatever promotion you're putting out so that you can figure out on your own without depending upon data from somebody else whether or not a promotion is working. And so that is inherently built into affiliate programs that are built on monetary compensation. Yeah. So with, I guess, what's the question? I suppose if, how does your service Spooky Cash function? So where are you in the relationship between a person surfing the internet and who isn't a subscriber to anything who, and then what's the relationship to someone who becomes a subscriber and then that other service that you are affiliating for? Well, the sort of most basic thing would be, say somebody's like, you know, I really love barelyevil.com. It's my favorite site. And I have this site where I mostly write about horror comics and occasionally I talk about what I ate for breakfast. Mm-hmm. But actually, I have a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. Well, they could sign up for Spooky Cash and they would get a specifically coded link mm-hmm. coded for their account. And they would use that link. And so then if, say, they interviewed one of the girls who appears on BarelyEvil.com, mm-hmm. then they could put that specific link to Barely Evil rather than just having the straight BarelyEvil.com link. It would look like BarelyEvil.com with a little bit of a code. Right. And if someone clicks on that code, goes over to Barely Evil and is like, this site looks awesome. Yeah. I, I, I want to see lots of like tattooed punk rock Satanist girls doing naughty things. Mm-hmm. And they go ahead and they enter their credit card and they join. We have a biller who does all of that. Um, We just handle the membership site side. Mm -hmm. The biller people, they have full on like banking encryption. Right. So that, 
you know, to keep everybody's data safe. Right. Look, we don't have your credit card <clears throat> number. Right. But we build the tools that you would use to do the promotion. Like a VeriSign or mm. or some other service of that of that stripe. Basically there's a lot of Wait. a lot of important, you know, uh, rules and regulations and safety procedures and all of that. And you know, you wouldn't really want that out in the sort of indie hands necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Um, I'm happy we don't have servers full of credit card numbers personally. So, right. You know. Yeah, then you become a target mm. for hacking and that can cause a whole other set of problems. Liability and all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. So we do, you know, go and, and network with the, you know, the prof- professional banking people and find the most reputable partners. And we have a lot of partners in that realm. It's not just like all of our eggs are in uh, one basket. Mm-hmm. So people actually have a choice, um, uh, you know, how they do it and that sort of thing. They used to have a little bit more choice than they do these days. But um, Industry yeah. consolidation? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but so anyway, so, so somebody goes and they join. So the biller has a record of which link that was that sent the join. Mm-hmm. And when somebody hits $25 in payout, like some affiliate programs, they're like, oh, as soon as you earn $2,000, we'll send you your first check. Yeah. Don't ever join one of those. They're take a forever. Rip-off. Yeah, yeah. Um, even if you have so much traffic that you would get that payout quickly, people only set the payout high when they're dishonest and they're trying to get an interest-free loan from their affiliates. Right. So it's it's a sign of what their ethical character is right. in addition to how long it might take you. Right. For us, 25 bucks, you get your check. Right. And if you if you push a lot of traffic and you want to get wire transfers, we'll also do wire transfer. Right. So now without and when I say we, I mean our banking partner will do wire transfer. Right. Now, are there people, are there individuals that are contacting you for affiliate programs? Like, are there um, individual performers that run their own sites that... Mm -hmm. that Yeah, we definitely um, run the affiliate program for various other sites where we're partners, like uh, Erotic BPM Mm -hmm. um, is the longest running raver-themed naughty site on the internet. Right. And we we handle their whole affiliate end. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, a few weeks ago, and were were the I'm holding up my bag, my the AV porn, the alt porn awards, which was uh, presented by myfreecams.com, and there were a bunch of categories that I was surprised were categories that were such a big thing, and I, and I guess this was the fifteenth anniversary of this award show or the 14th or something I don't know they it's been a lot <laughs> yeah, they've been doing uh, awards for for a while um, they've does been around say, does for it a long say time. on the bag? It it doesn't say what which which um, anniversary it was, but I was surprised at how long it had been going on. And this was the first kind of live yeah. ceremony presentation of the awards. And because it was the first, there were a lot of people that were receiving awards that didn't show up because they probably didn't realize that oh yeah, this is a thing that we go to. <laughs> so there were a lot of sort of absentee um, presentations. But that what was fascinating to me about this, and I've been so far out of the loop on this stuff. But that there were categories for best 420 cam, and um, there were subdivisions for uh, goth versus raver versus gamer girls. And I didn't really quite understand. I, I sort of thought that I understood what it was. But the truth is that as specific as that sounds, there's even a lot of consideration within those areas for specialty. And what we had sort of talked about, Forrest and I, before we 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 started recording this episode is that sites like my free cams have become an uber app for only with ethics 
Sure. Well, a woman-friendly, ethical version of yes. Uber app. Um, <laughs> before I get where I'm going, um, sorry. For. Girls who just want to present their lifestyle to people and get paid for it. And so that doesn't mean they necessarily perform a sex act. They could just be talking about video games. They could be cooking. They, it could be whatever it is that they want to do in front of a camera, and there is a fan base for that. And I'm sure that a lot of the girls customize their hours around where their biggest demographic for what they do is. So a girl can be in... Romania or Korea or the Russian federations or she can be in Baltimore or Las Vegas or Van Nuys or wherever and but that doesn't mean that that city's where her fan base is because it's global so well, I love my free cams and whenever I see a super hot goth girl on there where I'm like wow I've never seen her before I'd love to photograph that girl where does she live it's like freaking always Eastern Europe yeah well I, I can and I guess that also depends on when you're online and they're online. I think that <laughs> Again. Made, I think that made the awards kind of challenging to figure out, you know, where where these people it. are. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can have uh, uh, traditional adult video awards in Los Angeles because so much of the industry is here or whatever, but it's like, you Not know, anymore. where's the top 420 cam model in the world? Right. Is you it know? Denmark? Yeah. It's, you know, it's probably not Japan, yeah. but the, but that's um, probably also a reason why some people. It's just like, well, no, they can't come from you know right. Russia yeah. or whatever. Yeah. The only person who did was Harriet Sugar Cookie. <laughs> I think she was here for the awards. She was nominated, I think, as I recall. But the the interesting thing to me is that you know that they gave everybody free tokens that came with the gift bags, and I was like, what is this thing? And they also gave us expensive sex toys in in the gift bag, which was kind of amazing. And so I those had gift been, bags were were just <laughs> those are wow. bomb bomb ass gift bags. Yeah, I've, I, I I've, wear the slippers every day, the <laughs> MFC slippers. I've been to a lot of award shows, and and that that one really topped the. Uh, they they really did a, a good job. I was very very happy with it. It was it was a, a funny ceremony. It had great hosts, and you guys won a ton of awards, which was fabulous to to be a guest of the people who kept returning to the stage to get stuff. <laughs> and then there were so many you had you didn't have enough bags to hold the awards in, which was fabulous. But you know what what was fascinating? We were sitting together. Yeah. <laughs> Can you sort of Can you watch these? <laughs> yes, I'll, I will be. I will be the wall. I the five five guy. But the um, you know what was fascinating? So I I, I checked it out. You know, and it's it's a really oh, and, I, and I hope you liked the uh, the the blue blood uh, little socks to keep your your cold drinks yes, cold. Yes, yes, my drink caddy. Yes, we we actually used it that night, that very night when I got home. We we put it on a mm-hmm. bottle of um of sake from my I, I can't drink for 64 days part of this diet that I'm on it's a whole other show but um <laughs> you know the the interesting thing is that it's every single type of girl with every personality with every body type with every hair type with every pierced not pierced tattooed not tattooed um grouchy grumpy sweet personable charismatic um, incredibly intelligent, incredibly dumb. Every possible type of person is on this site, and they are all private contractors. And what I found out after asking a few questions of certain people and certain performers that spoke English um, <laughs> is that you can buy medical insurance via MFC. Oh, that's interesting. That they provide a series of options. And I thought about that, and I'm like, well, my gosh, with a site with hundreds of thousands of members could easily become the largest HMO 
in the United States, a single employer. Well, they're one of the most popular websites on the internet. So it's like, well, yeah, they're they're strong. Are they, they have a presence. Are they a top 100 site or a top 1,000, do you think? They're definitely top 1,000. I'm like... This yeah. is going to seem like an advertisement, okay, I'm gonna, and I'm going to apologize. I'm for going to resist the urge to pull out my phone and check what their exact ranking is. <laughs> right. They're definitely top 1,000. I don't think they're top 100 yet, Maybe but they top might five. be. Um, top 500, the, not top they're def- I, I think they're definitely top 500. I want to say they were around 400 last wow. time I looked. Um, on the other hand, they just keep getting bigger. So Right. So they're, the, they're climbing. But they're by far my favorite cam site. And I'm not just saying that because they're sponsoring our new Burley Evil magazine, mm-hmm. although that is relevant. Well, I have to say <laughs> this, and I'm, I'm going to let you get to what you're going to say for us. But it, this is going to come off like an advertisement for my free cam. So I'm going to give a caveat here that if you are somebody who has an addictive personality type, I'm going to tell you not to go to the site because it <laughs> is it is like World of Warcraft, like like Second Life or Half-Life. Like, a lot of the sort of environmental um, participatory video games, it is easily, incredibly obsessive. I've always been very good at being able to identify things that I know are bad for me <laughs> and staying away from them, whether it's the wrong girl in the, in the wrong relationship, which hasn't always happened, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing well now. Um, you know, that it's, I know when not to pursue something because it is so geared towards me this site is almost geared towards everybody, and that's incredibly dangerous because it is a token-based site, and the way that this works is that you don't have to have tokens, but apparently if you do, there are certain, there's certain access that you can get. Some people can turn off the ability for you to see their site if you don't have tokens or you aren't a member, um, that you are tipping, basically, for either a service that's on a menu or a whiteboard um, or... You can just give money because you like a joke that someone tells or, or something that somebody did or you think the girl is cute or whatever it is, that there's a whole list of what tokens, uh, how many tokens a specific act will cost. So you could say that some girls don't have sex on cam, some girls do. And it can vary incredibly widely between what some people might consider really extreme physical sexual acts for relatively few tokens, 20, 25 tokens, and then somebody else in a different part of the world in a different time zone with a much larger audience may charge 500 tokens for a smile or to play a song that you want to hear. For but her it's to not like to. you have to give someone tokens. You don't. You absolutely and do not. I think not. it's like 20 bucks and you're a premium member for life. <laughs> and, and that's... How many and tokens? When I say it's like think, that's what I paid for my premium membership. <laughs> and that's like 500 tokens or something crazy. And it's a shared experience. So yes. someone says, hey, here's, you know, 30 tokens to do, you know, spank yourself. And the thousand people in the room get to see someone spank themselves. Right. And they'll actually interact and like, you know, sort of give each other kudos for being cool. It's like actually yeah. supportive of, of the, the tipping thing. It's I very think- much a chat room. It is a chat room for the people in the room to discuss with each other what's happening on screen as much as it is an interaction with the model and and some models will not speak or acknowledge people that don't tip some will i'm sure that the very successful ones acknowledge everybody um and like i say i I, I can put you with my ad rep um if you want 
The ad, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> if, I, if I have no ethical problem bucking, advertising it, having warned people up front that this is where all your money's going to go. If you're bucking for my free cam sponsorship, right? Uh, structurally, not? I think it's really interesting because on the one hand, it's a behemoth. I mean, yeah. it's it's massively successful. I can't imagine how much it costs to maintain those servers. I'm sure that it's worth it. Um, yeah, but so, I mean, it's it's huge. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a really like Netflix. big thing. So on the one hand, it's like huge. On the other hand, it allows so much individuality, which yeah. gets back to your point about everyone being an independent contractor and that sort of thing. It's like, in a way, you could just sign up reasonably easily to be a performer on there mm-hmm. and, you know, send in your ID and, and all that sort of thing. And you don't have to leave your bedroom and you have control. You're not in some weird CD strip club. You're like totally mm-hmm. doing your own thing by your own rules and... And you don't you don't have to. Nobody's pressuring you. Well, maybe some you know members might be begging or whatever. But like you can do your own thing in a couple. Almost all of them have little things that say no begging will be tolerated. So, but of course, if you do violate, you can buy back into their graces by giving them tokens. Or they might uh, ban you. I mean, and you have to go look at someone else. And as a member, you can make your own little bookmark list and like you know follow your favorites and all that sort of thing. Get Mm -hmm. notifications and all that. But it's a it's an interesting mix of on the one hand it's a behemoth and on the other hand it's like super individual personalized. Incredibly and personalized. So it's, yeah. it's that 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 weird mix of of DIY with uh, uh, large. Because I think that if you know if you're a model and you're like cool looking and you want to build your own website these days, well, you know it might be a good idea to partner with like a Spooky Cash or something to get that promotion out there because yeah. you need that that infrastructure so that you can get out to the blogs and like have the tools supporting you and the galleries and the you know tracking codes and all of that sort of thing. Um, because you're just not going to be able to make enough noise on your own. Um, um, because you're going to have to go through like you know Facebook, which is going to ban you immediately. Yeah. Um, and so it's like finding that that venue is really tricky. Um, and so it's you can either go the affiliate uh, program route with some established uh, affiliate programs who are going to have the audience for a person you know as cool as you, mm-hmm. or you know you can do the, the individual thing. Um, and that's so, great because it's not an out of pocket expense. Now the, yeah. the beautiful thing about affiliate ships or affiliations is it an affiliate ship. It's because it's kind of a different word, right? Program is usually how it, yeah. it tends yeah. to be referred to. So if people usually say affiliate program or sponsor, and then affiliates are the people who promote them. Yeah. So unlike almost every other business expense, it's not upfront that you're 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 sharing in a value if value is generated. And of course, some affiliates, if you're not a good person to affiliate with, may decide to drop you. I would imagine because why would you? continue to that goes both ways yeah absolutely yes. there's there's affiliates who promote in really you know not necessarily uh, ethical ways and then there's you know affiliate programs that don't necessarily pay in ethical ways and you know you got to feel your way out you got to you know look at reputation and then that sort of thing so it's it's important right now yeah, if someone just doesn't happen to make money i'm like they can stay an affiliate forever and if they get around to finally getting some traffic or learning how to do promo well that's fine with me mm-hmm. but if they say something mean about one of our models they're, they're out. Yeah. <laughs> they're <Yeah>. out. Because <laughs> it's a, every industry is a relationship mm. industry, pretty much. What's interesting, if you're una, unaware of this type of thing, is, and, and you know, we mentioned this, one of the other things is Twitch. Twitch is another kind of direct access network. I wish they had an affiliate program. Right? Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, but that's like, Twitch is almost like YouTube. It's, it's obviously much smaller. It's much more uh, specialized. But as it continues to grow, it's going to become that so that... You, 
in order to generate enough attention, you have to make a bigger noise. And so, you know, your numbers are going to, to continue in the same way that a growth from a YouTube channel would grow and change and alter. What's interesting is that the most mundane person to their neighbors and to their family can be a star online. And just as if you were a musician that was gigging out and playing different towns, you're going to grab different types of demographic fans, and you don't necessarily have control over that. And I don't think that that's a dangerous thing. I think it is par for the course of any type of profession where you are in front of people. And so... I think you can just say any profession, because how many people tell their families what they do for a living, mm -hmm. and their family's like, oh, that's awesome, good job. <laughs> I mean, maybe... Maybe there are some people where that happens, but most people I know, it's like once you've passed a generation, just explaining what you do can be to your a challenge. Or yeah, grandparents can be really hard. I mean, when I ran a DVD <clears throat> label, they're like, "You produce the labels that go on DVDs." I'm like, "Yes, that's exactly what I do." <laughs> After I license the movies, but um, yeah, that it, it can be very difficult. That, can, that yeah. can be. So I think that it's something where, and I think a lot of times. In L.A., you can really see this all the time, where there'll be somebody where they go on tour and people are just like, you know, their panties are wet that they got to meet that person. Yeah. But when they're home in Los Angeles, people are like, well, they still have a day job. Yeah. Like that's something they should be embarrassed about right. when they're doing something awesome. That they love. Yeah. There is a lot of comparison griping that happens. I mean, it happens everywhere. It's just that there's a lot of people that do creative things and so there's going to be much more types of reaction to that performance aspect of what they do well, i think there's, be... there's a joke about the the russian missile program where there's a scientist and you might know this one but there's a scientist and they they want to defect to the u.s and they're told you you can't because mm -hmm. you know you work on our um missile program and they're like what are you talking about our missile program is way beyonders what secrets could i possibly know and they're like that's the secret right you know we're not that great yeah and i think it's something where backstage is like that as well they you know when you see a band where they're at the height of their whatever and they're yeah. on stage and the audience is feeling it and they're really tight that night and they're doing a great show well what they're like backstage when they're freaking out about, you know, how many Valium it's going to take to get them out the door yeah. um, onto the stage or when they're like done and they're just exhausted and they're trying to, you know, and they're getting cortisone injections in their throat so they can do the next like three nights of the tour. Yeah. That's not as glamorous, but the fact that there is a backstage, no matter what you do, whether you're a management consultant or a rock star, that doesn't mean that the really awesome thing you do isn't awesome. Right. It just means that awesome costs. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing that breaks up European heavy metal bands is someone has to get a job. <laughs> I mean, and these are bands that are that will play opera houses across America, that will tour, they'll gig out constantly. Their merch booth is probably making a ton of money selling T-shirts. They may, Maybe they even kickstart their own releases. You know, I'll use an example of a band that I love, you know, um, We'll talk about Catatonia. I love the band Catatonia, one of my favorite bands, Swedish band. One of the biggest bands of the Swedish heavy metal scene. Two of those guys have day jobs. Well, I think that the trick, I mean, when you That's talk about... That's the two about, you know about. 
Yeah. When you talk about, you know, DIY art production or media production or anything is that there's, whether you like it or not, there's got to be a business model. Yeah. There's got to be some support there or it's, you know, going to die on the vine. And how that sort of business model manifests itself is, is, you know, different for different people. You know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, you steal photocopies at work after hours or whatever to make your zine or you like charge for it. It's like one or the other. And, you know, uh, zines are traditionally priced terribly from an economics, you know, point of view or whatever. So everything's got to have that business model, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. And although they are getting more expensive, it's much more common to see zines above $10 now, Mm -hmm. whereas before they were two to five. Yeah. And it's regular magazines too. standard adult mags, 15 bucks now. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it is valuable, but it's really important to understand that whether you you impose it or it is imposed on you, there's going to be a business model. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and, and getting back to some of the affiliate program stuff, it's like, well, there's got to be, you know, if you've got a cool blog, well, ideally, it actually makes some money to cover its hosting and, and that sort of thing. And how you do that is, is different. And so what we try to do is, is like, create the tools. You know, we made uh, uh, one of the first um, custom-coded RSS feeds that carry uh, uh, affiliate codes. The first. Um, yeah, the first. Um, so if someone could actually import blog posts on these are the the most recent uh, gothic sluts updates or barely Mm -hmm. evil updates or whatever it would provide them content that they could you know they could change or they could you know comment on or or whatever and it would carry their code automatically and that really supported a lot of uh uh, really interesting blogs out there Mm -hmm. because they were able to like write about whatever they could write about you know uh satanic news or you know Mm -hmm. uh recipes with hot sauce or you know whatever and then it would like also have like some hot girls or something like that and that actually provided a revenue model so that they could continue doing what they do. Wow. Um, and that's sort of a, it's an interesting thing. It's like, you know, if you make a comic book, you got to figure out, well, is there an ad page? Can you sell right. it? You know, it's like, um, and you, if you have a band, you're like, well, how can I make sure that I carry enough merch to support eating on the road or gas money or, or whatever? And is some people ignore that, but it's really an important consideration. One thing that we've, I've talked to a few guests about is Patreon which is sort Not of a, a subs- fan. I'm, I'm, I still don't quite understand how it works. But I wish I, Kickstarter had an affiliate program is what I wish. Yeah. Cause like I would write up Kickstarters all day long. I mean, I'm busy, but like I, I, you know, if I could promote some of those things and feel like I was a part of it, yeah. like that would be really great. And I could drive some sales, um, but it's sort of, there's some, some programs out there that actually don't get on the affiliate model and I feel really shut out of them as someone yeah. who likes to support things that I like. Right. Um, you know, it's like with, with, you know, Blue Blood, we used to write up a lot of like obscure, uh, uh, pop culture stuff and promote it. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful to some of those things to like get an audience and get big. And I feel like the affiliate model makes that sort of thing rewarding mm-hmm. and it creates a cross pollination, uh, sort of, uh, ecosystem. Um, we, that's a good point because I, you know, at, at La Luz de Jesus, we've never done a kickstart. We've sent traffic to, I think, two ever. And my thing was, why are we giving our brand over to this thing just because they're doing a signing here or something like that? You know, like we, I, I won't mention one by name, but I, I had big grave considerations about backing a particular kickstart because this person had never done one successfully and it, I didn't want it to reflect badly on us and I had to have this conversation with um, with Billy the owner and because and, he didn't quite understand it I'm like if we advertise this kickstart it seems like it's our kickstart we have absolutely no control of whether or not this ever gets fulfilled 
And what I do know about the person who is doing this particular kickstart, um, a person who's clearly not in this room, that um, <laughs> well, a hundred percent of ours have succeeded. I know, so. I know, and you have a, a, a track <laughs> record. And you know, after you've done, I'm like, do you want do you want to do an event here to sell? You know, books that weren't part of the, the Kickstart because I, I believe in the product, but that I was concerned that it would hurt us. If there was an affiliate program with Kickstart, then businesses like mine with a huge subscription list mm-hmm. could feel okay about presenting it and saying, hey, look, you know, because you, you can make that decision. Like, you, you'll be benefiting from it. You're not going to partner with somebody that you can't benefit from. And it would give a lot more exposure. It would give a lot of people that maybe couldn't succeed a chance to succeed to be quite honest because we do have a large audience but that it does sort of brand it in a way that could be mutually beneficial if it were mutually beneficial and so like you say you want to feel more connected to it it's like if, if you're getting if you are personally benefiting from your belief in something then you can really, really talk it up and feel really great about it and not feel like, well, now what if I want to kickstart my own thing? Am I going to lose a little bit of that? I have actually had people write to me and be like, well, I supported blah, blah thing, so you shouldn't care that I stole your photos. This, this wasn't a, kick, a Kickstarter thing. Right. But there was someone, An entitlement where, issue. Well, there was somebody where there was a friend of mine where we had taken some pictures of some corsets. He's designed Mm -hmm. someone i've known since i was like 16 years old Mm -hmm. um so no it was not a money-making endeavor that we like took photos of somebody's corset line and this this other like company was taking our pictures of someone else's corsets and trying to sell them on his site and he was like well we're going to sell similar corsets to that so we're using the pictures what yeah and I was just, you know, that I, is blatantly wrong <laughs> in every possible striper consideration. Totally. So I wrote wrote to him, and I was just like, "Dude, you you can't do that." Yeah. Um. And I mean, I wasn't I wasn't rude about it. Like, I always start off with you know a, a polite request, but I was just like, "No, take that down." And so he writes back, and he tells me that there was some nightclub night that you know he retweeted or something. Um. And, you know, he's he supported that. So, you know, I should appreciate his support. And I'm like, we wrote an article on Blue Blood Net about that because we support the scene. I didn't get any money from doing that. And there's tons of stuff we do articles on that. No, there's no possibility of affiliate income or whatever. But I mean, in that example, even if you had, that doesn't give this idiot the right to steal (laughs) photographs to manufacture knockoffs of somebody else's work work. yeah that's crazy obviously that was an extreme example but and it's something where you know we have covered um dozens of kickstarters i've backed dozens of kickstarters Mm -hmm. um but it's something where i could actually afford to hire writers to do it all the time Mm -hmm. if they had an affiliate program that was you know open not invite only etc right right um or if they invited me personally i don't i don't know if they have an invite only one um because there's a difference between having sort of an affiliate program where anybody can go over and join and one where you might be invited if for special reasons you right. might, might be a good affiliate. Um, I know this sounds like Amway. But, it's totally not mm, like Amway. But the thing about Kickstarter that I do like, because I do look at the statistics, mm-hmm. is Kickstarter has its own traffic. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I have a lot of eyeballs. So if I'm sending people to Kickstarter, a lot of times it's the first Kickstarter they back. They're going to back other Kickstarters. I am sending them customers. Mm-hmm. 
But Kickstarter also has its own traffic of people who like to back those kinds of projects. Yeah. You might like this one. You get those emails all the time. And I'm like, stop mm. sending me these emails. And we've had a number of things that were Kickstarter staff picks or projects we love, whatever they're calling it this week. Right. Um, and so I feel like Kickstarter brings value. Patreon, on the other hand, they have no discovery engine. So any traffic that goes there, you could have sent that traffic to your own to site yourself, yeah. for the exact same benefit and set up a, with a better a percentage, a yeah. better like. And so I, I am not a fan. Also, they have the weird thing where they have all of these adult membership things on there. And even though they've gotten letters from their billing people being like, you have to stop, mm-hmm. they're still doing it. Which means that at any time, their billers could just cut them off. Because, right, I mean, that's just right. how billing works. If, you, if you're if you doing high risk, but you're not paying high risk percentages, your your credit card company or PayPal or whoever, they can cut you off. Right. And so I'm seeing more and more girls having adult things on there. And I'm just like, number one. They're going to break the whole they're system. They're not making you any dough. Yeah. And that's putting the whole system at risk. And I actually think it was like. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's that's an interesting conversation. That'd be a good roundtable to have with some of the artists who are on Patreon. And I think, and I'll tell you, I think I know what it is. And it's an inherent inability to believe that they alone are worth it. That there is a certain element of doubt, which we discussed in the last program, about your own personal worth, your own personal value, and if you establish a brand through a a secondary entity, then maybe that gives you the gumption to move forward and do something on your own. But I also feel like in a way it diffuses the ability for someone to do that. Like most artists don't have a head for business. Clearly, we know this. I mean, we've, there's, I I did a whole show on the psychology of the artist and it's like 95% do not have a head for business. You know what? One of the reasons that I went to business school is I was just like, you know what? If I want to keep doing this and I am clearly unfit to do anything else. um, (laughs) I disagree, but okay. (laughs) Thank you for the vote of confidence. Um, I'm going to have to make sure that I know how to do my numbers better, that I know how to really like rock a spreadsheet because for the long term, for for true scale, for growth, because it was something where we kept doing things that would get big, 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 and then they'd be like sort of almost at that next level and they'd kind of like bump up against a wall. And I felt that I really needed to have some more of those skills. And yeah, being an artist at business school, it was hard. Being a female artist at business school, really hard yeah yeah and in business school is a bro culture i mean pretty much so there's everything that you've ever heard about that it's true times 10 yeah as I, I, I would imagine it would be that's crazy but it's something where i am really happy that i did sort of bolster up some of those things because some of those things were i know some people they're either sort of very much one or the other Mm -hmm. and natural aptitude wise I think I sort of had the same um you know verbal and mathematics didn't seem like totally separate skill sets to me right but really concentrating on building up some of those skills it's been really helpful for the business let's let's before we close this out because I think we've we've gone into it about as far as we can go into it without getting really really specific but 
some of the other things that for someone who would be exploring this as a secondary option, like if someone is, I think it's, you know, that, that camming is a perfect activity for artists. And especially, I, I work with a lot of female artists who are fresh out of, out of art school and have absolutely no idea how they're going to pay back the debt that they just accrued from art school. You don't have to paint naked. You can just paint and talk about your influences for a, a few hours a day, for a set amount of days a week. And if it were a factor of someone saying, hey, can you draw this? Not everybody can do that. Not everybody has a mindset to be able to take instruction. And a lot of people who become artists do so because they feel like they don't have to take instruction until they realize they have to take a job where you have to take instruction. But I think that it does supply at least one additional revenue stream to help pay off debt so that you can start building and it helps you build an audience. So not only are you paying off debt, you're actually building up your next clientele list that you could be selling work directly to the people that are subscribing to your to your camming service. That's you don't have to talk sexy to them. You don't have to um, put on any kind of special clothing. I mean, marketing yourself, market yourself the way you want to market yourself. You have control over your own image. You have control over your own identity. This is one of the few things that I think in this world allows you to do that and reach a bigger audience, which to me, it's like, why not? Well, yeah, one, th- one thing that, that we uh, have been doing lately um, is uh, partnering with some of the cam performers mm-hmm. and we'll do, you know, professional magazine quality photo shoots um, that will run on our sites, but then they can also sell those directly to their viewers. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really fun partnership to do because, you know, cam is like awesome for interaction. It's not always awesome for visual quality. You're not going to get that magazine, you know, perfection right. or whatever. And that's been a really good cross promotional thing for the cam girls who want to build a bigger audience because we've got that whole giant promotional network where we can be like check out this photo set mm-hmm. of this performer and that will promote them and then they can also sell it directly so it's something where it's a it's really good economics on on both sides very um, common in, in on the whiteboards and in the menu um selections for most of the cam girls is that they do offer some type of photo set and clearly if they're shooting with a name photographer and you've won awards for your photography both of you yep. for your photography for your layout for your public publications that that automatically says I'm worthy of this attention which will reach different demographics by itself but then it also gives you a way in in kind of a a different rev share position of you could be the direct distributor for print photographs if it's print usually it's not usually it's pdf but that you could also foreseeably supply a way for girls to produce their own pamphlets and zines I'm thinking if a girl's worth a coffee table book, we we're going to publish that. it. Yeah, yeah. But just a pamphlet. Uh, well, maybe not you, ain't but got I mean that that. <laughs> that, there, that if you were a printer and not a publisher, that you would have an entirely second. I just think I, I what's rule number whatever of the internet. If it doesn't exist, you have to make it. I now have to become a printer for zines of cam girls well, my if, new career my new my new late in life career if we do you know when we're doing the the barely evil uh, book which is actually going to be sponsored by my free cams mm-hmm. uh, odds are good we're going to have some cam talent in there that are the crazy you know dark satanist nutty punk rock girls that like you know we like to shoot mm-hmm. and you know we're really good about cross promoting and supporting because you know to us the better the scene does 
the better we do. Right. And so we're, you know, unlike some folks out there, we're very good about supporting the other things that are around us because the more there are, the better. I don't want to be the only zine on the shelf. Cause right. There won't be a shelf, like. right? And that's that's a very that's another second level um, thing to think about that I don't think has been touched on is the fact that what you guys are doing and partnering with a site like that is that it's not just a gig economy. You're also job creators, and that when you have a lot of people that are working as affiliates, that it does bring up everything. That this is the economic theory that you know Beautiful Mind was about, right? This is why I the guy won. It. Do I suck? No, but the um he won the the Nobel Prize for um well not Russell Crowe no the um the person he portrayed <laughs> for his economic theory that he came up with which is basically game theory of like if we all go in and we all work together we all get a date and we all leave and that was the basis of it and thirty five years later he won um you know a Nobel Prize or something but um that it's it's important to think about those things as we move forward because the economy has changed, because there is so much more gig economy, which doesn't have necessarily the support net. Well, now we're realizing that it does. You know, if you've got, a, like I said, a single employer who has the ability to offer affordable health care because of so many Technically, they're memberships. not an employer. They're um, a uh, contractor because they're dealing with contractors, not employees. Right. Okay. But it, you can have a an ability to negotiate as a group. Yeah. So we'll call it a group because I think that financially and in insurance terms it would qualify as a group. That a group that large gets much lower rates than any job I'm ever going to have in my life. Well, the risks are more pooled. Yeah. And it's just math. The insurance company's like, Mainly young people, which means it's a a less risk. Yeah. It's it's a less risk demographic, generally speaking. But that... Working hand in hand, if you've got this one thing and there's these other partnerships, it shouldn't be too hard for you guys to get into that insurance as partners with that affiliate to go under that umbrella coverage. And I mean that that's that's a thing that's becoming an issue right now in politics. You know, the cost of insurance and whether or not people are finally going to ever believe in a single. Dude, pay. you don't have enough time left in this. I know. To to have me go off on my yeah. hobby horse issue of the fact that insurance adds a middleman. Yep. It makes healthcare more expensive. Yep. It's like either you have free market or you have single payer. Yeah. You either socialize it or you don't. Yep. And what we have in between paper and pencils cost money. Work. <laughs> paper and pencils cost money. People holding papers and pencils. It's one of the most basic concepts of business that if you add another middleman, you add another layer of cost. Yep. And I'm not really a collectivist. It's you know, I I, I think that sometimes you get kind of Ponzi schemey on, on that sort of thing. Yeah. But you know I think that from a from a uh, entrepreneurial perspective, from a, a free market perspective, um, if you know, if you provide an environment, you can create value. Yeah. And if it's a supportive environment, you can create value. Everyone in that environment, unless they're a terrible person, is going to do better. Right. And I think that 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 sort of you know opportunity is is really important to both take advantage of and to be consciously creating for others around you because then your whole system is going to be doing better. And it also enforces self accountability within a system of a lot of selves, a lot of individuals, which yeah. is fantastic. And obviously, like I think it's awesome that they offer insurance because so long as we're in a system that has it. Mm-hmm. You need to have access to some of those things. Yeah. I just don't think that's the good system. But right. I'm in no way saying that it's not awesome that they offer that because it is awesome. Right, right. Well, great. I want to thank you guys for talking about mm-hmm. that stuff. This is one of those things that, you know, 
if you don't have an idea about how it works, you just don't know how it works. And so having you come on and talk about how affiliate systems work and, you know, talking about, you know, this, this new, this new aspect of the gig economy, I think should open up ideas for people who will see something that's missing from a system and make it happen and build and grow, which creates jobs, which creates more industry, which gives a a bigger blanket of coverage to people who need coverage. And it gives more variety and product to people who are looking for more variety and product. So again, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, Again, this has been Amelia G and Forrest Black. And (laughs) shout out some more social media. Um, Mm -hmm. Blueblood.com, Blueblood on Twitter, Amelia G on Twitter. Spooky Cash. Yep, SpookyCash.com if you want to make some dough. Mm -hmm. BarelyEvil.com if you want to see uh, some of the cool stuff we make. Excellent. All right, thanks again, guys. This has been Pod Sequentialism. I've been your host, Matt Kennedy. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole, it's not. Um, you can, if you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you.